For those of you listening in for the first time or are new to the She Sells 2 network, we are Jenny and Ellen and we started She Sells 2 to empower women in sales. In this cross-Atlantic podcast with Ellen in Dublin and Jenny in Toronto, we're looking to empower women out there in sales to be their absolute best. In this podcast, we'll be sharing stories, tips and tricks, best practices, and the learnings we're getting along the way. Hi everyone, Ellen here, and we got another episode from Dublin in Lockdown. This time I'm chatting with Alva, who works as a business development manager at HubSpot. We talked about how to manage and coach a team remotely, what she's looking for in the reps she hires, and how the dreaded performance plans that we sometimes hear about actually don't have to be that bad. Enjoy, and as always, follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. Hi everyone, I'm sitting here with Alva over at VC. Hi Alva, and welcome to the She Sells 2 podcast. Hi Helen, thanks for having me. Uh, so how are you doing now on the other side of the screen? I'm good, yeah, I'm sur- surviving the, the isolation right now. Uh, definitely getting used to seeing most people in my life over screen right now, so... It is quite a weird one. I feel that, you know, otherwise when you see people in real life, there's so many other cues that you can see to kind of see how someone's doing or when they try to speak or anything. But now you just have to look at a screen and try to read their facial expression. Yeah, exactly. And hope the Wi-Fi doesn't cut out. Yeah, my Wi-Fi has been quite shitty over the last few weeks, which has really put some irritation in the apartment. Me and my flatmate have been calling the broadband provider and everything like, how, please get it to work. Oh no, that's not what you need on top of everything else. (laughs) No, not all. But they they changed our router, so things are a whole lot better now. Oh, good, good. Um, And anyways, I was going to say, it is really strange times that we're living in. Like we're both in Dublin, who's been under a sort of a lockdown for a week now. Yeah. And obviously not as bad as the lockdown as many other countries, but it is, you know, something that we never experienced before. Um, And I wanted to ask you as well, like, obviously, both you and I are in very lucky positions. You know, there are so many people struggling out there, people Mm -hmm. losing their jobs, people being homeless and so on. But how are you coping with uh, this whole situation, both on a personal and professional level? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's funny, like when we first were sent home uh, to work from home, I think I was one of many that naively thought it was going to be, you know, we'll go work from home for two weeks and then we'll be back in the office. Um, and, you know, obviously that that's not the case. And, and who knows when we'll be back in the office. So it's it's been an interesting couple of weeks. But I found like the first week in particular was difficult because I just wasn't in a routine. You know, it's this kind of uh, ended up working really late and kind of was a little bit disorganized in my day. And then as I kind of came into week two, I was like, right, Alva, you need to get yourself together because this is going to be your life for the foreseeable future. So if you don't get into a routine, you are going to drive yourself insane. So now I've been really good about like getting up at the same time every day. I've got my coffee routine down, you know, kind of start my morning with them. Like coffee and chats with my team is what we call it and then I kind of get into the groove of a of a normal day and I've been trying to still you know the people that I have lunch with at work I've been trying to do virtual lunches with them and then I try to be really strict on myself at you know kind of six o'clock I'm like right close the laptop and get out and get some fresh air and we've been so blessed in Dublin that the weather's been really nice so I've been kind of trying to get out for a run or a walk uh and that, that, that's been great, I think. And I think for me, because I've been so busy and I'm so lucky that I'm able to work from home, I've been so busy at work that I haven't really been 
you know too stressed about everything else because I've been throwing myself into that and that's kind of what's worked for me at the time for the time um yeah so it's 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 such a strange situation it's it's hard to ever have envisaged being in it yeah I'm the same like when they said that we had to work from home as just as you I thought it would be just a couple of weeks but mm -hmm. now it feels like you know this is the new normal and our futures in the world we live in is definitely going to change so yeah. one can't really say that it's just going to go back to as it was before but I guess we just have to adapt to the situation and everything that I'm reading is you know like adapt to the situation create new routines and try to be as strict as you can with yourself just yeah. to, you know to keep the day as it would have been a bit back uh, back before all of this happened too exactly and I, I'm so used to I used to walk to and from work so I've immediately seen my step count fall pretty drastically <laughs> so I think if I don't get out in the evening after work I would definitely run the risk of not fitting in my jeans after all of this I'm the same like I realized the first few days I'm like shit I'm not getting any of the everyday workouts that I usually would get so mm -hmm. now in the morning my routine is that before I even have breakfast I would go for a walk that kind of is as long as it would be going to the office before and then nice. I go back okay. and then I go for a walk during lunchtime and then I walk in the evening just to get that kind of normal walking that I would get but yeah it's such a weird one you realize how much movement you get for free when you're going up and down yeah. the stairs in your <laughs> office or something like that yeah true <laughs> Uh, crazy times but on a more professional level how has this impacted you and your team and how are you able to coach them from a distance yeah it's been it's been an interesting one I think like I said I think we all kind of thought it was going to be short-lived so at the beginning it was definitely a little bit rocky you know I think for the team it was a lot of uncertainty uh, when it first happened and that can kind of be demotivating I think to people but um, I suppose like it's my job and, and the job of the management team to make sure that they feel comfortable that, you know, we we are as best as we can uh, working towards business as usual. And I suppose like in the tech industry, we're so lucky because, you know, we have our laptops and we have most of our tools in the cloud. So we're set up to be able to work from anywhere. Um, and I think the the interesting thing about sales is it's very black and white. You know, you know who's doing the work and who isn't. So I think those things have helped. But I also think now... The team have gotten in a really good routine with with working from home you know they're they're all still having their kind of regular you know lunches and coffees and stuff with each other virtually as best they can and you know ultimately particularly like i manage a bdr team a lot of the bdr team or bdr function is quite solo so you know they're kind of grinding through their work throughout the day um as best they can and We've been really, really lucky. We you know, obviously calling people, it's, it's a difficult one right now, but we've leaned into kind of different tools and, and kind of mixed up the role a little bit, which has been really interesting. And we're lucky to be selling a product that helps people work remote. So, you know, there's, there's a demand for it as well. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're doing great things to be able to support our customers right now. So I think all of that has been really positive. And I think March was definitely rocky, but I felt kind of, as if things have shifted a little bit this week it seems like you know both ourselves as as reps but also our customers and our prospects are kind of realizing like you say that this is the new normal so mm. we all kind of need to realize right this is going to be our lives for the next while so we need to adapt and work from from this kind of situation and i think with the companies that we're speaking to they're in the exact same situation where they're like right I, we have to go back to business as usual we have to get you know we have to start looking at our options for the rest of the year and, and reevaluating our goals so it's actually been an, an interesting time and um, I, I actually i think april will be 
will be better than the March for sure. And I can see the team getting more and more used to it. You know, it's like now we, we don't even remember what being in the office was like, I think. Yeah, and I think that's amazing that the human is quite easily adapting. Um, yeah. So I'm just saying, like, for the first two weeks, it felt quite weird speaking with the clients. You didn't really know how to approach it. But now it feels like everyone is going into their situation. Like, everyone is taking their call from the living room. Some people have kids running around. Some people are sitting there, you know, in their hoodies, you know. It's yep. a bit more relaxed feeling almost with some people. And that makes you, for my sake at least, I think it makes you bond with people a bit more as well. So it does have some good sides. So yeah, now when everyone has adapted to this and accepting that this will be it for a while, I think it makes the job easier when you try to sell and when you try to contact new people and you know bring business back to normal again. Yeah, um, and I think I, I actually weirdly think it's brought my team closer together. Like mm -hmm. I feel you know, that, that, that rapport and kind of banter in our Slack channel or like over our morning Zooms and stuff seems really, really strong right now. So I think it, it's, it's weirdly pushed everyone to make an extra effort, which seems to have bonded us together. And I do think that whenever, like I said, whenever we get back in the office, that team will be closer than ever, I think. Uh, we'll all be dying to be in contact. So it's interesting. It is funny. It kind of pushes people out of their comfort zone because they need to be funny in new ways and everyone is in need for a laugh. So, you know, you yeah. try a bit harder to actually be the funny one and to cheer up your colleagues and everything. So I do think that's amazing. Um, Sometimes before I used to have to always kind of nudge people to post in the Slack channel, but now it's blowing up. So that's definitely a good thing that's come out of this. Yeah, I feel like I'm pinging my colleagues and my friends all the time, you know, seeing one of my clients over VC. I'm like, how are you doing? And I'm super happy to speak with them because that's going to yeah. be like one of my few interactions on the day. So we're yeah. all appreciating it a bit more, I think. Mm -hmm, for um, sure. And something that I was thinking about, because I know that you led a team from a distance uh, when you were working in Agile back in the days. What would you say is um, key to kind of build on a team and the relationship when you are not working together, when you are working remotely? What would your, be your kind of key uh, ways to manage this? Yeah, it's funny. That, that's something I've thought about a lot recently, particularly because I think for me, because I had managed kind of remote before, it wasn't as big a shock to the system for me. Um, but I think there's a couple of things you have to kind of force yourself to, to still do with the team. So something that kind of was top of mind for me is that when I typically go to one-to-ones with, with folks in my team right now, you know, when we're walking to the room, that's when we're kind of having that, that small talk or that chat about, you know, their weekend plans or what's going on in their life. And it tends to be, you know, when you get into the, to the meeting room, that's when the one-to-one -one starts. And, I think you can run the risk of when you're having remote one-to-ones just jumping into business and the numbers mm. and not checking in on the person and you know obviously everyone's mental health is a little bit on the verge right now so it's all the more important that I'm kind of checking in and making sure that they're good they're feeling motivated they're feeling secure in the role you know anything that they're concerned about or anything that's going on you know I can kind of support them on so mm. I try at the moment you know when I kind of catch up with the guys for our one-to-ones have the first you know, five or so minutes, just be asking about them and, and kind of having that small talk so that we're still building that rapport with each other. Um, and it's not just, you know, kind of straight down to the numbers type thing. Um, other than that, we, we've also just tried as a team to do a lot together. So like I said, we, we kind of kick off the morning with 
what we call coffee and chats um, and that's no work talk and we also have a rule that we can't talk about the coronavirus so oh very good kind of like you know general chit chat what's going on who's watching what on Netflix type thing um and then from there we've tried to do once a week kind of a virtual lunch which has kind of worked quite well um and then this week for end of month we did the happy hour with a quiz so it's still trying to keep you know that relationship being built but as much as I can the, the kind of business functioning as as it as best it can um but yeah it's difficult I think the biggest thing is is trust like you have to have people in your team that you can trust are, are going to do the job and I think as I said like one sales is black and white but also typically salespeople are competitive so you know you you don't have to really spur them on that much they see their number themselves so they've got the drive and the ambition it's just my job ultimately is trying to help them navigate how to how to utilize that in a time like this yeah, no, and that makes sense. It is the very difficult times, but I think, you know, the building the rapport, building the trust and making fe- people feel well. I think when people are feeling well, their mental health is in a good stage. That's going to make them perform better as well. Yeah. Um, and as you say, they can still see their numbers. They can still compare themselves to each other. So I think that kind of spurs them all on automatically. So the relationship exactly. is probably more key at this stage than anything else. Yeah, um, like they they they're already you know they're already motivated. They're already working towards everything as best they can. So, mm-hmm. like you say, it's just making sure that I'm not forgetting to build that relationship, particularly with newer hires on the team. Of course, and you are managing a team of BDRs, so that would be business development representatives. And mm-hmm. I assume, having been in a similar role myself, that most of them are fairly kind of young and new into their careers. Um, what kind of background does your team have? Does a lot of them have sales previous sales experience, or what kind of background and experience do they have? It's a it's a bit of a mix. Um, we have some people on the team who it's their first job; they're straight out of college. Um, we have others who've done maybe something similar in another company or um, have done some form of sales, whether it be kind of retail sales or actually have a few that have done kind of like recruitment or um, actually car sales as well. So it's, it's pretty much a, a mixed bag within the team. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't, to be honest with you, like in terms of results or success in the role, I haven't yet seen that it weighs towards one side. Um, I think it really comes down to kind of the person the way that, and I'm asked this question all, all the time in interviews, like, what are you looking for in, in a good BDR? But for me, it's someone who is driven and wants to excel, uh, wants to ultimately use this as a stepping stone to becoming a great account executive one day and is going to be someone who's going to be like a sponge, you know, is, is coachable and moldable because it is for a lot of people, their first role or, or definitely their first time maybe in SaaS sales. So they need to, kind of be a person who I can kind of work with and they'll take direction and take that feedback and I don't expect them to be perfect but I want them to have the will and the desire to get better and improve and I, I can work with that and I think that's that's probably another reason why we're we're having a, you know such a great time being remote is that the, the profile of people that we have on the team they, they mm-hmm. want to succeed so they're not the people who are kind of taking their foot off the gas and chilling at home they're they're still working really hard and that's that's so great for me as a manager because it, it it means I can focus on the important things and, and not kind of micromanaging, which I hate. 
Of course. No, and I think that's brilliant. And especially now, as we said, that there are obviously a lot of people that will be out looking for new jobs in this situation and kind of knowing what you as a manager that would be hiring for these kind of roles are looking for, that you're looking for drive, ambition, uh, that you're looking for someone that you can mold and that will be acceptable to feedback. I think those are some really good key characteristics to have in mind and also for people to have in mind if they would be interviewing for new roles in this uh, situation that it's extra important to show that and also show that you have the capability of self-motivation as you won't have a team surrounding you as you would in normal cases. Exactly, yeah. And you started your sales career as an SDR, Mm -hmm. and then I think you were an account executive for some time. Now as a manager, can you sometimes miss like the uh, closing part of a role? I can't actually. I actually had this conversation with someone (laughs) on my team the other day. I definitely do. Like I miss that that moment when when you close a deal or you you know even as an SDR when you book a meeting there's a great rush about it and Mm -hmm. it's an extremely stressful role I I won't lie but it's definitely you know it's it's high risk high reward and when you when you have those wins it is such a great feeling so and I do sometimes I miss even like when I when I do coaching with my team or I'm joining calls with them I do sometimes miss just being on the phone and kind of just focusing on your own self and your own number but in saying that I I, I wouldn't go back because I do still no. really enjoy my my role right now but there are definitely times where I think about it and and, and wonder is it worth going back and even just doing it for a little bit <laughs> to, I don't know get a down payment for a house or something <laughs> no, but I definitely understand you and I mean I started as an SDR I was an account executive and now and I'm I'm an account manager managing you know the same book of business for a longer time and I love it because you really get to build a strong foundation with the clients but of course yeah. I can miss that as you say the rush of like yes I booked five more meetings or I got in x amount of dollars into my you know like uh, my target straight away so I do get the feeling of missing that kind of rush as well yeah it's um, funny I, I get it a little bit as a manager in the sense that we we have monthly targets and at the end of each month I have this like surge and stress and I'm like what why why have I chosen this career what am I doing <laughs> with my life and then you know we close the month and things go well and that's when you get the buzz again and you're like oh mm-hmm. this is amazing this is exactly why I do it so it is it is funny you can get it in different ways but it's, it's the adrenaline we're all adrenaline junkies I guess in some way shape or form yeah we are for sure like sometimes I sit there and I'm uh, very stressed and I have you know so many tasks on my table but at the same time I do enjoy it to be like okay what do we do next what's the strategy how do we fix this you know that kind of urge of feeling that you're always challenged I do like that very much mm-hmm. how do you prepare your team because now um, they're BDRs they're booking a lot of meetings how do you do to prepare them more for closing roles like are you helping them to take the conversation sometimes one step further or what's your way to help them get more ready for a closing role yeah so I think uh, for me you know the first couple of months in in the BDR role are obviously all about getting them ready for for the role that they're in but the way that that we have it structured is uh, there's different tiers of BDR so they would kind of promote to a PBDR or L2 BDR and from there that's when we'll kind of start getting a little bit deeper into the role and kind of preparing them for the next steps so like there's different certifications that they have to take to to promote to those levels Mm -hmm. and as they promote we'll kind of in our coaching sessions go a little bit deeper on the call so they obviously have their initial call with a prospect before they book a meeting for their account executive. But we start um, after they move kind of into that L2 role, we start looking at, okay, what happens after you book the meeting and what does the rest of that sales cycle start to look like and give them a little bit more exposure to that um, 
we also increase their their revenue target which helps them kind of think a little bit more strategically about the meetings that they're booking and Mm -hmm. thinking a little bit more like an account executive Uh, and then from there they would actually promote into kind of this what we call AIGS or a L3 and BDR and that's really where it it starts to knuckle down to get ready for for the account executive role so they would actually do a full discovery call as part of their certification they would go through kind of two three months of additional trainings in terms of negotiation skills um, and getting ready for that next step and um, you know probably be paired with a with a buddy who's an account executive that they can kind of shadow and partner with um, and that that's almost like I describe it sometimes as the waiting room for sales where you're yeah. kind of waiting for for a role to open up and, and apply for but you're you're getting as ready as you possibly can and actually a lot of BDRs at that level would be closing their own deals at that stage Sm- smaller deals but they're they're starting to take that that conversation further you know really actually negotiating price putting together quotes things like that so um it, it's a process and I think the the average time we see is for a BDR right now is kind of between that 12 and 18 months mm. so as people are coming to that that's when we're preparing them for for the next role if that's the way they want to go obviously there, there are times where BDRs want to go a different route but for the most part they want to go the account executive way and it's my job to to try and get them there as best I can uh like I I often think about that when I when I look at my team I, I think you know if I was a sales manager would I hire would I hire people on my team and if the answer is no then I know I'm doing a bad job so mm-hmm. I'll always be trying to tweak and improve as best I can to to get the team ready for that next step and and make them think about not just is this going to count as a meeting but is this going to close as revenue and and why yeah but I think that's brilliant and that's why I'm such a big fan of the SDR and the BDR roles that it's really a school of learning how to become a great seller because even though some people maybe have it naturally that they're natural born sellers but it is a skill that you have to learn to learn to understand the processes how to think strategically how to build and know your pipeline inside out um, so I do believe like starting as an SDR and BDR you will have an advantage because you have to pay your dues to the company in a bit but then you will have this kind of great teachers everywhere you have your managers you have other buddies account executives that's really mm-hmm. going to teach you the way um, so I do think that these roles are you know the best way to get into sales um, I absolutely think it's the best way that I got into it and I do think that you I've seen account executives in the past that, that haven't gone that route that maybe should have and mm-hmm. they're great on the phone and they're great salespeople but they might be really bad at kind of managing their pipeline or prospecting or all the upper funnel stuff that BDRs that move into account executive roles are mm-hmm. brilliant at so I I think you know it, it, it's definitely something that stands to people and for me I'll often say like it's, it's probably one of the hardest roles I've ever done because I was new to sales. I was new to tech. I had no idea what all the anagrams meant. You know, I I never cold called before, and you know now I'll I'll always say it stood to me, and I'll I look back at that time and sometimes wish I was still there. It was, <laughs> it was fun, you know. It was like you had a great team, and uh, you know, just just li- like living your best life. It was great. <laughs> Yeah, like I loved it. I mean, I came to Dublin three years ago and I started an SDR and, you know, my first months in the role, I think I was terrified, but it was so much fun also because I learned so much and just being new into sales and be able to sit there with account executives and listening into their calls. Like mm-hmm. you probably know most of the sellers that taught me. So like Sinead, Paolo, Graham, like I listened into yeah. their calls and I was 
like amazed and baffled and obviously they had a bit of a different style being Irish than my like Swedish style and I just listened yeah. to them and I'm like please tell me everything because they were so good on the phones so I do think just that exposure to a lot of senior people that you get straight away and to hear so many different sellers like their way of closing I think it's the best school you can ever have mm -hmm. um so yeah, that's always like what me and Jenny are doing when she sells too. When we're talking about how to get into sales, we are like promoting these kind of roles because we do believe that it's a brilliant way to get into it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but something that I was thinking about as well, and obviously, especially in this situation, but in general, like sales is a whole lot of up and down. Um, have you seen anyone in your team going like through a tough situation or a tough period? And how do you kind of coach them out of that? Yeah, like I, I've I've definitely had people on my on my team before that you know for for whatever reason they've ended up on kind of performance plans and you know they, they've been in difficult situations. I think from what I've seen, um, it really depends on the person and how they react to that. So I've had people react really positively to these situations where it's like, okay, I'm on a performance plan. You know, this is my this is my company telling me that look, my performance isn't isn't where it needs to be, but we're going to get a hell of a lot of focus on you to, to get you where you need to go. Um, and I try to get to get them to see it as a positive. Like I'll typically have an additional one-to-one -one per week with someone on a performance plan. And I'll be spending a lot of time kind of focusing on their sales techniques and the kind of meetings that they're booking, you know, why is the revenue not coming through, for example, things like that. And the people that react really positively to it are the people who come out of it. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I think you can either have that like fight or flight reaction to things and you can either decide right I'm gonna go and, and fight and get through this or I'm gonna just bury my head in the sand and just wait for it to be over and yeah. um, so that's kind of what I've seen in the past is like I've seen people successfully come off it so many times and it's just because again going back to like the profile of people that you hire if you have someone who is coachable and moldable and wants to take feedback on board they're going to see this as an opportunity for growth and mm -hmm you know, they're willing to work with you and, and all of the different resources that we offer to, to get back where they need to. And I think there's nothing better than then working with someone for those three months and telling them that they've successfully passed a plan. It's it's a great moment. And, and you know, it's, it's lovely for them to see their, their hard work pay off. So mm. I think that the best advice on that is just not to see it as a negative and, and see it as a great opportunity. We were actually recently at um, our sales kickoff for, for 2020. And one of the account executives was speaking about that, the idea of resilience and how she had been put on a performance plan. And, you know, her first reaction was, oh, my God, this means it's done. You know, it's over. Yeah. And she kind of went and reflected and then came back and realized that, no, this is this is an opportunity. And, you know, she she switched her attitude on it. She completely changed and came off plan successfully. And is now someone who's you know probably going to be a manager at some point. So mm -hmm. I think it is down to that resilience piece. And if you take the opportunities thrown at you as an opportunity and not as a as a negative, then, you know, your your manager is only looking out for you. I, I don't know any manager that wants to fire someone from their team or push someone out. That's that's definitely not what we intend. And you know, I hire everyone on my team, so I've I've invested in them in loads of different ways. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's just looking at things through a different lens, I guess. No, and that's really good to see it as an opportunity and actually you no know, show the resilience. And I think it's brilliant because it's so often when you see people that succeed in sales, you only see the success part, but you rarely see the many ups and downs. And therefore, you and your team to hear about that, that someone can have gone through a performance plan and then still come out of it stronger and actually be very successful. 
I think that shows a lot about that it's not just going to be a straight road to success, but that you have to go through the tough times. You just have to fight your way through it. But to see that it's common that this happened, I think it's very important for people to see. Yeah. And I, I often think of sales as kind of, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And mm-hmm. I try and kind of explain that to my team in the sense that like, I'd rather have people on the team who are consistent rather than mm-hmm. you having a month where you're suddenly, you know, 250% and then the next month you're 30. And that consistency comes with the process. So, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that you're consistently adding to your pipeline and, you know, having new uh, leads coming into your name, prospecting those and, and nurturing them. I think if you're doing that, then you are going to be someone who is consistent and, and not kind of just having those like peaks and drops. Yeah, no, and sales is probably so easy as well to think that you have to be the best all the time, which probably mm-hmm. make people see that I think that consistency isn't key. It's like, yeah, I should smash my targets, I should get 200% all the time, but you cannot always be the best. You just have to last the game and make sure that you build on your skills and just get it better and better, but that you consistently hit your targets. I think mm-hmm. that's very important. Um, so one of the last questions that I just wanted to ask you um, before I'm going to let you go and go on with your day is like, mm-hmm. if you would say three things that would be the key on succeeding in sales, what would that be? I would say grit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that like grit or resilience is definitely key. Drive. And then maybe a controversial one but I think organization like I Mm -hmm. genuinely think that like going back to that example of where you need to be consistent I think if you're not an organized person Mm -hmm. it's a very difficult role um I I kind of say to my team like I probably not the best person when you put me on the phone I was probably middle of the road in terms of sales ability but I'm a really organized person I know how to structure my day maybe to a point where I'm a little bit anal about it and I think that organization means I constantly know you know how many calls I need to be making or how many leads I need to put in my name per day to to be successful in a month so I would say yeah so resilience drive and organization organization is a bit controversial but I'm going with it no I liked it resilience drive and organization and yeah I'm a very organized person as well so I do like that having a clear structure because that as you say makes you know what you need to be doing to improve and you need to know what you need to do to close sale as well exactly yeah Uh, but thank you so much Alba for taking time it's brilliant to chat with you um as I say we enjoy the social interactions and great to hear your view on how to get through this crisis how to coach a team and also how to succeed in sales great well listen thank you so much for having me it's been great thank you